Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused, with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. Discover Asheville's scenic beauty and intriguing history along with a local handcrafted beverage this winter while you cozy up on top of award-winning rooftop bars. Tours offered daily, year-round, with safety protocols followed on every tour and transportation is provided. It's easy to book a tour by visiting AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. And by RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website that's speakingoftravel.net on pretty much all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and even Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to great travel stories from passionate, innovative, resourceful, and tenacious people who are not afraid to take a risk and take action to achieve their dreams. We're going to add a new story to the Speaking of Travel archives today from someone who fits all of the above. Ray Blakeney is an award-winning bootstrapping entrepreneur who was raised in Turkey and now lives in Mexico with his growing family. Travel and adventure and seeing the world outside his office walls and embracing his travel bug has always been a priority for Ray. And I would imagine that following his passion is one of the best predictors of his success. And Ray, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel. Marilyn, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, Ray, I know that you're sitting in Mexico where the weather is quite warm, and I'm a little <laughs> jealous, I have to say. Oh, well, you're welcome to come on down. Mexico is actually one of the few countries in the world where Americans can come whenever they want. Unfortunately, getting back to the U.S. right now might be a little harder because Getting back in is a little more tough, but coming to Mexico, come on down and stay for a while. Oh, well, I'm going to take you up on that very generous offer. Well, Ray, I've done a lot of research uh, about your companies and what you've been doing in your life. And, and one of the things that really struck out for me as I read about your, uh, your entrepreneur uh, endeavors and how you ended up in Mexico is that, that you had been a, a high-paying uh, career guy in your, in your 20s. 
And then you ended up leaving and going into the Peace Corps like your father. Now, That's right. did you grow up traveling? Was that something you did as a kid? Yeah. So my parents were actually missionaries in Istanbul, Turkey. So that's how we ended up in Istanbul, Turkey. So that was our home base. It wasn't that we were what they call today digital nomads, right? Where every three months we moved, we did have a home base. But my dad was in charge of the entire Middle East for the church he worked for. So we would actually travel across the entire Middle East on a regular basis. Every six months, we'd be on a plane. And then we'd also go, they'd always have conferences in different parts of the world, also involved with the church in Asia, you know, back in the U.S., uh, where the church was based. So we would spend summers traveling most of the time. My parents would be on a work trip, but of course us as kids, they'd hire a nanny and we'd kind of get to go and see the country. I thought it was normal. I grew up in international schools where a lot of my friends were kind of maybe not exactly the same lifestyle, but they would travel quite a bit. So I didn't actually realize it was anything unusual until I moved back to the U.S. when I was 16 and figure, you know, finally noticed that, wait, not everybody lives this way. So that was kind of a big revelation for me. Well, it must have given you uh, a very open-minded worldview as a kid and really enhance, I would think, your skill set of being able to be in other cultures and, and have different traditions. What was that like for you? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'll tell you an interesting story. We were talking about stories before we got on. Uh, People always ask, do I always kind of get and feel uncomfortable when I move to a country? So I've lived in multiple countries. In fact, my wife and I right now are going to looking to move to Taiwan in the next two years and live there for about 10 years. Uh, we want to learn Mandarin. We want our son, who's one year old now, to be trilingual Spanish, English, and Mandarin speaking. And the reason for that is I feel more comfortable in countries where I'm not supposed to fit in, is what I found out in my life. The only the first time I felt uncomfortable where I was at when I when I moved back to the U.S., now, for those of you who are hearing me on the radio, my dad's from the U.S., blonde, blue-eyed, born in Vermont. Uh, my mom's Filipina. I look Latino, apparently, is what people tell me. But, you know, um, and I sound American. If I'm talking to you on the phone, you would never know I didn't wasn't born and raised in the New England area where my family's from. But when I moved back to the U.S. when I was 15 or 16, that was my first time I ever had culture shock. Because when you're a foreigner living in another country, People don't expect you to understand everything, right? The cultural history and all the rest of it. If you do, great. They're surprised. They're like, wow, that's great. Look at this foreigner who knows the history of Turkey, the history of Mexico, who can speak Spanish or can speak Mandarin. But I was an American who sounded American, living in America, and I had never seen a game of American football in my life. I had been to one baseball game and I didn't know any of the rules, right? So that was when I felt really strange was only in the United States because there, everybody expected it. They would make cultural jokes, and I just wouldn't get it. So that was kind of my big shock when I moved back to the United States. So how long did you end up uh, moving through this culture shock, cultural shock, and, and realizing, hmm, maybe I would feel comfortable if I was actually living someplace where I didn't have to go <laughs> through all this cultural nonsense? See, that's another great question. So the thing is, I can't tell you there was like this moment. It's kind of me looking back, hindsight 2020 kind of thing, right? Now looking back, I can see that that was what was going on. At the time, I didn't really feel it because I moved back when I was 15. So not only all that, but it's, come on, we're teenagers. That you already have enough existential crisis going on. That, you know, adding this on top of it, uh, you know, it just kind of got lost in the mix. Uh, the high school I went to, that was a little rough because I didn't fit in at, at all. Um, it was a boarding school and people had been there for a while. 
uh, college was better because in the, at least the university I went to, it was about 20% international students. So I kind of felt that was, I felt much more comfortable with kind of with them than I did with a lot of the American, a lot of the Americans, even though I did end up joining a fraternity and that actually, well, I don't think I fit in that well in the fraternity. It helped me learn how to mask me being uncomfortable more because I was kind of forced to do it in that situation. So I kind of learned how to blend in a little bit. You couldn't tell from talking to me now that I felt uncomfortable, but it was still inside me. Graduated from college and I did, you know, what you said, I, I'm a software engineer, graduated in 2002, right after the first bubble was burst. So the economy was going back up again in the tech industry. Luckily, I had multiple job offers, you know, um, and I started working in corporate America, mainly because that's what I was told I was supposed to do, right? You go to study, get a college, get a job, work there for 30, 40 years and get your pension and retire, right? I mean, that's kind of what I was taught. So it wasn't really that this was my dream. It was just, I was kind of moving on inertia. It wasn't until about five years into it where I was, I'd been promoted to a team lead in the company I was at. So I was kind of low level manager. It's kind of like a I was not because I'm a great programmer. It was mainly because I was the only programmer who knew how to talk to other people. <laughs> you know, there were better programmers than me, but I was kind of that intermediary that was there. But I remember sitting at home and things were fine. I'm not going to say I was miserable or unhappy, but, you know, I had a condo. I had a nice car. And what do you do next in America? You buy a bigger condo and a nicer car, right? So that was kind of the path I was on. And then I saw this commercial on TV for the U.S. Navy. Um now, my uncle was in the Navy, my respects to the people in the armed forces, but that really, you know, joining the military was not really my thing. But they had a saying there that said, if they were to write a book about your life, would anybody want to read it? And I remember distinctly sitting there, it was nighttime, I was seeing this commercial. This, the scene was, yeah, black with like the Navy SEALs pulling up on the beach and that quote comes up there. And I remember looking at that and thinking, if I continue on this path, no, nobody, I wouldn't want to read my own life. And... That's what changed for the whole trajectory of my life. Literally a week later, I applied for the Peace Corps. Three months later, I was in Mexico. And two years later, I was an entrepreneur um, starting businesses. Without that commercial, I would not have been on this route. Fate works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and I exactly. Think, you know, again, I just want to uh, think about, uh, you were saying, you know, you were the intermediary. You could go back and forth between talking to people in this career. But again, you know, I can't help but think that these broad-minded cultural exchanges that you had as a child, being able to move around, meet people from other countries, and, and even in college and in the fraternity, that you could blend in and, and get around says mm. so much about your success. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I always think you know, there are all these great op opportunities in the world, but people restrict themselves just by looking for things nearby. Um, you might find it. That might be where you're happiest. But if you're not really, really happy where you're at, why don't you look somewhere else on the planet? Um, you know, I have friends who never traveled before they moved to Chiang Mai, you know, in Thailand, just on a whim, as a friend told them to, met the love of their life, they're married, and they're, you know, they have a wonderful life over there right now. Never would have happened if they'd stayed at home. There are all these amazing opportunities that could happen if you did that. I agree. And and I want to come back after the break and talk about this passion and and being innovative and tenacious because that is truly the hallmark of a great entrepreneur is being able to take a risk. And Ray, I can't thank you enough for being on Speaking of Travel. When we come back, let's 
Let's get into some stories. You have so many. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Ray Blakeney. He's an award-winning bootstrapping entrepreneur and a wonderful storyteller. So stay tuned. Buongiorno. This is Mark Smith, president of Private Italy Tours, LTD. For over 15 years, we have had the privilege of sharing some of Italy's most well-known and many less-known places with over 700 satisfied clients. We feel very confident that we will all be able to travel to Europe again by the early fall of 2021. When we are finally able to return to Italy, place your trust with an organization of exceptional travel professionals. Join us on one of our small group tours of between 10 and 16 guests, or if you prefer, we offer complete custom itinerary planning services. Deposit specials are available to confirm your place on one of our exceptional tours. Join us in Bella Italia, private-italy.com. Hi, this is Kay. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we put you in the middle of experiencing Asheville like no one else can. With an expert guide by your side, you'll have an all-access pass to what makes Asheville so unique. Our sense of place, history, and awe, along with great food and drinks and spectacular views. We follow safety protocols on every tour. Come experience why TripAdvisor awarded our company the 2020 Traveler's Choice Award, placing us in the top 10% of attractions worldwide. To learn more about us and our award-winning tours, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to In Speaking words, of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm oh here with my guest my today, Ray Blakeney. He's an award-winning bootstrapping entrepreneur and raised in Turkey, living in Mexico. I mean, you're 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 living the dream there, aren't you, Ray? <laughs> I think so, but you know, I would like to take a lot of the credit for it, but growing up in Turkey, my parents get all the credit for that. I as an 11-month-old, I had very little say in where we ended up at that point. But it was a great place to grow up. And as you were saying before the break, you were really just, you know, around so many amazing people in different cultures who who really just took you in as, as one of their own, right? Mm -hmm. One of the keys to doing that is actually, I've always made sure to learn the language of the country I'm in, right? I don't want to live long term. Yeah, it's fine if you're going as a tourist for two or three weeks to not speak the language fluently, but you should even then learn how to say thank you and please in whatever language you're doing. But I always made the, a point of learning the language and the cultures that I'm in. Um, and I think that goes a long way to being accepted or at least you know welcomed into the culture, even as an outsider, welcomed into the culture. And you get to actually much deeper experience out of it when you kind of are able to talk to the locals, go to the local restaurants, not the tourist restaurants with the menus in English and order local foods. It'll also save you money because, you know, obviously if the menu is in English, I guarantee to you that price is at least 50%, if not higher than what the guy down the street with a, you know, local language menu is charging for the same food. Well, that's a perfect segue to bring up your language uh, business, your language program. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for just a minute so that everybody knows kind of what your foundation is there in Mexico? Sure. So 
my wife and I actually, I won't necessarily recommend starting a business with your, you know, with your significant other, but for us, it actually, it worked out. Um, we own a website called livelingua.com, L-I-V-E-L-I-N-G-U-A.com. We are one of the top three online language schools in the world. And we're the only one that was started bootstrapping. We're the mom and pop guy going up against the million dollar investment companies. Um, we started, I made the website, computer programmer. And my wife was the first teacher. That was it. That was, I mean, that's how we started. Just it's a small little thing about 12 years ago. And it's grown a lot since. And luckily, right now, it helps support us. And not only us and our staff, but everybody's kind of location independent. We don't have a physical office anywhere. Um, we have 150 staff around the world. And everybody works from where they want, you know, and as long as they have an internet connection. So we've been lucky that we kind of stumbled across this business that allows us to travel, allows us to bring the world closer together because that's what languages do and allows us to support a team um, that is also able to live the same lifestyle as we are. Well, I love it because you know, and your wife obviously as well, that language is so important. And mm -hmm. I know when I travel, I always try to learn, like you said, learn a little bit of the language. Mm -hmm. I always find myself um, a little bit embarrassed because, you know, <laughs> I'll say something. Uh, which is why I love going to Italy. You just talk with your hands. Nobody <laughs> say it with more emotion and they'll understand you. It doesn't matter what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. So speaking of Italy, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your trip to Tuscany when you drove around oh, in a Ferrari, because that sounds pretty spectacular to me. That was, that was. So it was an interesting experience. I've always wanted to drive you know a luxury sports car i think it's a very pretty common thing uh, that people want to always they dream about at least right so the morning that it happened i'll be honest i was really nervous because you know you don't want to ding this thing come on <laughs> like you know if i drive my hyundai around i'm like eh, i don't really care but this one this was a little concerning um so it was this whole experience that they set up for us i you know my wife forced me to do it because i was kind of a little chicken i'm like no you know, I, I'm going to be scared about driving this. Nope. She signed up and she's like, yeah, they're coming tomorrow to pick us up um, to do this. So it was kind of a neat experience. They kind of come up that Mercedes came, picked us up, drew us out, drove us out to this luxury house just outside of Florence, where it was apparently owned by some famous Italian director. Um, so we have pictures of ourselves in front of a Ferrari. And she bought me like a sports jacket just to put on top. Because I, you know, I didn't have very fancy clothes, but so I had like a Superman t-shirt, but with a sports jacket on top of it. Um, we did that, so I get in the I get in this car, and it has all these buttons. I don't know what they do, but they luckily say hit this one, and this is this will turn on the car. It was a convertible, and so you hit the button, and the engine makes a roar unlike any I'd heard before. I mean, it was just this kind of thing. Like they must hear that, like you know, ten miles away from here. I'm like, okay, this is scary. I was afraid to hit the gas because I'm like, I'm going to hit this gas, and suddenly the car is just going to shoot forward, and I'm not going to be able to control it. To my surprise. Ferraris are actually very easy to drive. So the first like quarter of the gas pedal, it actually drives like a regular car. It's only when you pass that, that it kind of goes up into the next level and you can accelerate. So if you're just doing a Sunday drive, it wasn't as complicated as I thought. I, again, I was worried that I'm just going to hit the gas and this car is going to go from zero to, no, it wasn't like that. It was a very relaxing drive. The way that the tour worked is we had this little souped up Fiat 500. I think they say Cinquecentos or something like that in Italy for those cars. Um, and that was kind of our lead car. So it would take us through these roads and that driver knew what he was doing. So he was going, you know, he would speed up and start going really fast. At first I was concerned, but I'm like, wait, 
it's a it's a fiat, even a souped up fiat. If a Fiat can do that, a Ferrari can also do that. So within about an hour, I was just kind of keeping trying, keeping up with this guy. And he was going around these curves in Tuscany. It was wonderful. We had this like luxury dinner at a Castillo. They closed the whole thing down for us. We pulled in there. We were the only people there. They showed us picture. Here's Richard Branson eating here. Here's Bill Gates eating here. And it was just me and my wife <laughs> eating there. We're like, you do know we backpack most of the time, right? This is not how we normally travel. And the last bit of the story that was interesting was we pulled back into town. It was the most embarrassing part where... We were about to you know, park and leave us off at our Airbnb. And a guy came up at the stoplight, asked me for money. It was convertible, right? So I couldn't roll up the window or anything. And I just had to say, sorry, I don't have any, which I really didn't. But I was driving a Ferrari. That was extremely embarrassing. I'm like, I'm glad I don't drive this car all the time because this is just not a situation I'd like to be in. So that was my Fiat, my Ferrari experience in Italy. That is so fun. And and again, I you know, it brings me back to, you know, that that entrepreneurship foundation of trying something new even if you have something in your head that's like uh, a vision of what you think it's going to look like you have um, enough creative inspiration to think beyond that that okay maybe this is what I think it's going to look like but let's just give it a try and see for real that's the thing if you're you know, if what's keeping you from being an entrepreneur or even traveling is fear, right? It's usually fear of the unknown, but kind of this worry that something's going to happen. The key is not not feeling that. We all feel that. We're all human beings. We're going to feel some kind of trepidation no matter what we do. The key is kind of not letting that control you and doing it anyway, right? So, you know, I've done swimming with sharks. Terrifying. But I did it. I mean, you know, and it felt great afterwards. There are all these experiences that, I, that I've done. The best experiences in my life, I would say, across the board, I was scared or worried before doing all of them. I can't, th- I can't think back. I'm just in my head. I'm trying to do it right now. But an experience that I wasn't worried about that ended up being amazing, right? Or had some kind of, okay, this is new. I don't really know what I'm doing. If that's the case, that might be good. But, they, you know, you've, you must have done part of it before. That's why you're so comfortable. But if you do something entirely new, when we, you know, hike the Incan Trail and my cardio is something awful, uh, you know, I was really worried. Can I finish this? I did. I was probably the, the only person who was slower than me was, uh, were a couple that was 68 and 72 years old. One, and he owned, one of the men only had one lung because he'd had a lung transplant. They were the only two people slower than me. And I was, what, 35? <laughs> I mean, everybody else finished way before I did, but I finished. And it was an amazing experience um, doing it. So if you're worried, that might actually be a better reason for you to do something. If you're scared about it, do it. Uh, that's, that's probably going to be more fulfilling when you finish. I agree. And, and what better time now when we are limited in really what we can do mm. to be able to step outside even the small parameter that we have and try something new, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, that's what, you know, going back to what we started the whole conversation with, if they were to write a book about your life, would anybody want to read it? If you want to be able to answer yes to that question at the end of your life, you have to take those chances. You can't, you know, if you don't, nobody will want to read your book. Even you won't be interested in reading your book at the end of your life. Well, Ray, I definitely want to read your book. So give us your website. How can we all get up with you? Sure. So you can find me at www.livelingua.com. It's a mom and pop operation. So my contact and my email is right there. You can also follow me on Facebook. I kind of date myself with that 
saying Facebook nowadays. I'm like, I'm not on all those fancier, you know, on Twitter. Or, I mean, on Instagram and all the rest of it. You can also follow me on Twitter. Just look up RayBlakeney.com and on LinkedIn. Those are the kind of three places I'm at. I tell people I actually sword fight for as a hobby. I do kendo, Japanese sword fighting. That's the photo on my background on all of those. So if you find a Ray Blakeney that doesn't have a sword fighting photo, that's not the right guy. You look, look for the guy who sword fights. Well, that's good to know, Ray. I will remember that <laughs> as I look for your fencing photos. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on Speaking of Travel, Ray. And I'd love to have you back later this year, maybe, and catch up with you and see what's going on. Likewise, Marilyn. Thanks for having me on. Well, if you're not in Mexico like Ray soaking up the sunshine, don't let the cold weather discourage your travel. Maybe it's not 80 degrees and sunny where you are right now, but there are countless ways for both winter enthusiasts and warm weather lovers to have some magical fun times. Coming up next is Jen Brooks, the editor and social media manager of RomanticAsheville.com the most popular online travel guide to the mountains and foothills around Asheville and Western North Carolina, which is an incredible place for adventures in any season, including winter. So stay tuned. Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across Western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking words, of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. There is no reason that the change in season should stop you from entering your vacation mode. So grab your cozy sweater and get ready to plan your ultimate winter getaway to North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains for an invigorating rosy cheek experience. Those of us who live here love the mild winter weather and being surrounded by snow-dusted peaks. Looking for the best way to plan your winter vacation? Joining me is Jen Brooks, the editor and social media manager of RomanticAsheville.com the most popular online travel guide to the mountains and foothills surrounding Asheville and Western North Carolina. And Jen, it is great to have you back on Speaking of Travel. Yes, thanks for having me. I love the, the cozy sweaters and the rosy cheeks. I'm all about that these days. I'll tell you, add a hot toddy to that and we are ready to go. Yes, sir. I love it. <laughs> so Jen, I know that you do a lot of research with RomanticAsheville.com. You're always looking for what's happening, what's new, what's trending. Give us a little backstory about the history of, of Asheville. I know that for many generations, this community and this region has been a really important place for wellness and vitality. Give us a little bit of a, a history of how that came to be. 
Well, dating back until the 1700s, um, you know, folks would come here for the very simple pleasures of the mountains, the fresh air, um, a sense of well-being, um, visually uh, pleasing to the eyes, natural springs. It was definitely um, a place where people came to seek vitality and rejuvenation and many health concerns dating back to TB, tuberculosis, um, people with um, lung issues particularly would come to the mountains, that fresh air to kind of seek healing. So, you know, over time, it, it has just been known as a wellness destination and folks come to just experience the very simple parts of those, um, the parts of our mountains that create that kind of timeless sense of well-being. Um, and while you have a lot of spas, we have a wonderful collection of spas and interesting wellness experiences. There's so much to be experienced just in this, on a simple hike or going to, you know, hot springs where you have natural mineral water. Um, you know, all of those things that it, it's something that just kind of brings it back to nature for folks. And, and it's nice because it's four seasons. And so you have all of these unique mm. and, and wonderful experiences, especially in the outdoors. And wintertime, as you were saying, there is a lot going on. Give us a, a little idea. You mentioned spas and hiking, but, you know, we have so many natural resources and so many wonderful attractions and destinations. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people tend to view winter, especially if they're traveling here, you think, oh, I want to go eat. I want to go to an event. I want to kind of see what's around, but there's so much that's happening just that you don't realize outside of, of in the outdoors right here in Asheville and all the surrounding small towns. I know the community as a whole is gathered to really work hard and create experiences that are safe and really um, meaningful for people that visit this area. Many people don't know there's lots of accessible and uh, winter hiking. There's lots of accessible waterfalls. You can see roadside. You can um, engage in some guided tours that will take you on things like forest bathing and meditative walks and yoga hikes and guided hikes that really, really create a more meaningful experience as you're just getting outside just for what you might think is a plain hike. There's a lot of dimension to that, including Biltmore. Biltmore even has outdoor winter wellness experiences that, that are brand new this year. So I think as a community, as a whole, we've responded to where we're at and we've adjusted. And, and I think in many ways, we've, we've experienced a lot more meaningful and engaging ways to experience the mountains here. And one thing I'm finding uh, week after week as I talk to people in Western North Carolina to continue with what you were saying is they take wellness very seriously, not just wellness for their guests to come and experience the the wonder of nature and, and everything that they have to offer, but really being mindful of creating an environment that is safe, mm -hmm. uh, that is sustainable. Uh, mm -hmm. There are a lot of destinations here in Western North Carolina who are implementing leave no trace programs. So all of the wellness mindset is not only here in the physical, but here in the in the way people are are looking at making this region a better place to be. Absolutely. And the word that comes to mind is rigorous, um, just rigorous thoroughness, 
folks creating easy ways to check in, leave no trace. I love the messaging that many of our, our B&Bs and hotels and cabins, all the folks that are partnered with Romantic Asheville have been just rigorous about educating themselves on how to create the safest experience for their guests, but also staying true to the message of being in the mountains and leaving no trace and go and enjoy it and, and be there and and then be sure that you leave it better than it was when you came. And that's like an important message that I feel like a lot of us here in the mountains have, have really clung to during this time. Well, Jen, let's talk a little bit about the Romantic Asheville site and the trip planner yeah. that is there. And, and how, how can somebody get more information and really be able to create uh, maybe an itinerary around all there is to see and do? Absolutely. So we have a very handy dandy trip planner tool that's um, on our top right navigation on our site. And so anytime, whether you're looking through um, cabins, you're trying to find a really cool cabin with certain amenities you want and maybe nearby waterfalls or hikes or attractions or experiences, all you have to do is, is hit the little heart on that and it'll save it to your whole trip planner. And you can then either print that itinerary and you have all the information there. Um, or you can just save it there and always come back to it and use it both mobile friendly. It works the same way. So it's really, really handy. And it's really, really easy to kind of collect all those experiences you see and curate them into your own family's experience here. Well, I would imagine the hardest part of that would be deciding how much you can actually see and do. <laughs> Absolutely. There's way more to do than you can possibly fit into a three day weekend or even a week. <laughs> so Thankfully, there's a lot. And we really have laid, we've worked really hard this year to lay things out, especially for families. We've really expanded our family guide because a lot of people are traveling now within their family. You know, we're not, we're not going outside of that. We're trying to stay safe. And there's just so many experiences you can pull from that are not just going to be, you know, outside in nature, but you can do a lot of other things, very creative ways to do travel here in the mountains, especially in the winter. And romanticashville.com is definitely your one-stop shopping because not only do you have the the destinations listed and the the accommodations and restaurants, but you also have museums and <laughs> and you do keep current with events and what's going on because unfortunately the level of events that we had in the past is is less and yet slowly we're starting to see some things yeah. creep in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, looking ahead into spring, while we can't necessarily confirm spring events until we see as a nation what this does um, with the pandemic and the virus, what you can do is you can look like, for example, all of our event boards, all of that, it's going to show them as past events, but it's going to give you a sampling of what these events are. We update as soon as we get information, we're able to give current update, but we're also able to give you a piece and a sampling of what what things are around, what you can expect in certain months, like, you know, um, downtown Asheville, you know, what is there to do in the upcoming spring months that may not necessarily be event related. We try our best to kind of keep it a one-stop shop where you can get into nature and get a full hiking guide, or you could go choose a restaurant by category to take out in Asheville and support our local economy. It's really, it really is a one-stop shop and we get it all the time from readers and how much they love the site. So it's a pleasure to work for, for the site and to be kind of a point person for the people who are looking to get local. Well, Jan, you definitely are the point person and we're so glad you're there. You're keeping us up to date and you're keeping everything current and, and we really appreciate it. I, I'm always amazed how much there is to see and do in Western North Carolina. So shout out to 
romanticashville.com and all that you and your team are doing for us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, there's talk that there will be more people flying as we move into spring and summer. And as Jen was saying, taking care of your safety is at the center of everything that an airport especially is expected to do. And to make sure you're provided with the safest travel experience on everything you need to know when traveling by air is Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport. She's coming up next with some current updates. So stay tuned. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. If the winter has you dreaming of putting your toes in the sand, you're not alone. Over 70% of Americans say they miss traveling. The good news is it's never too early to start vacation planning. And that means checking out the airlines and what's going on today. And the same is true for airports. If all airports provide the same basic service, how is it that some seem to get the recipe just right? And what makes those airports so good? Well, in the case of the Asheville Regional Airport, their team is committed to following all current best practices to protect travelers coming in and out of Western North Carolina. And they're doing their part to continuing educating us about what to expect so we can all travel smarter in these ever-changing times. And when we work together, we can all feel safer in our travel journeys. And joining me with some current national and local updates is Tina Kinsey, Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, it is really great to have you here on Speaking of Travel. Well, always great to be on the show, Marilyn. Tina, we have talked now for uh, going on a year about the changes that are happening in the in the airline industry and in the aviation industry, and it's constant. It's a it's an ever changing world out there, especially on your level. Give us an idea of what's happening today as far as travel rules and and protocols. Sure. So I think uh, if you're tuned into air travel at all, you know, in the last year, so many things have changed and you've had to stay in touch with the airlines, the perhaps even the State Department to determine what's happening with international travel. Um, The pandemic has really affected everything. And recently, there have been some some new things happening uh, at the federal level that travelers might want to be aware of. So some international travel has opened um, and the 
there have been some rules put in place that international travelers coming into the United States have to have a negative COVID test no more than three days before their flight back into the United States. Well, I started thinking, you know, Americans need to understand that this includes us too. If we travel outside of the country and we want to come back in, we have to get those negative COVID tests three days before our flight takes off to come back to the United States. And there are some intricacies to, to this rule, you know, so it's important for travelers to, um, you know, to educate themselves uh, if they're planning to fly internationally. You know, one question I had was, well, what if you've been vaccinated? Well, the rule there is that even if you have been vaccinated, you still have to get a negative COVID test before you come back into the United States. So, you know, a lot of different things there. So be sure to take a look and review those rules before you travel internationally. Um, and then very recently with the new administration in the White House, there is now a federal uh executive order that requires everyone in an airplane and in an airport to wear a mask. Now, this is not hugely different than what's already happening. Most airports require mask use and airlines, most airlines require mask use. But what this does is it gives another layer of enforceability to the, these particular rules. It is not clear uh, if there will be penalties for noncompliance. Um, but those details are being worked out as we speak. We're keeping an eye on that. We will definitely uh, post some links and information on our website when that becomes more clear. Uh, but these are the kinds of things um, that travelers need to be aware of. I don't see them going away anytime soon. Uh, but also, as we know and have learned in this last year, these these rules and regulations are constantly being tweaked and changed as the pandemic changes. And let's talk a little bit about your website, because when we when we visit your website, you have a lot of information and that educating is such a critical part of the travel experience these days is just being sure that you're connected and understand. Tell us a little bit how we can get to your website and what we're going to find there. Sure. We are at flyavl.com. And right on the homepage, there is um, a banner across the top. And uh, that banner um, basically says travel advisory, important information, learn more. Really easy to see. And you just click on that. It takes you right to the page where we upload helpful information and links. Um, and we're just trying to make it easy for travelers to get to trusted information. Well, there's so much out there. So being able to get the most current information is definitely important. And you are still, you're still actively um, uh staying on top of all the regulations. So it's really like a one-stop shop when we come to your website. 
Yes, we're we're trying to stay, you know, just at the forefront um, and curate, you know, what is the most helpful information for our travelers. Um, it, it's not everything, but we're trying to get everyone started in the right direction. Well, I think that we're seeing a little bit more road to recovery, if you will. Things are starting to, uh, with the vaccines coming out and the education and the information and the and the protocols that are being uh, implemented, not only in the airports, but on the airplanes themselves. Uh, the good news is, with a, a little bit of, of sign that things are recovering, the Asheville Airport has uh, some good news as far as uh, where we can go from here. We do. You know, um, we have fared pretty well, con- uh, relatively speaking, when you compare to the air- all the airports across the country. Um, and we have maintained some strong connectivity at Asheville. And we've even had some new routes announced during this pandemic time. And so the, the one that was announced back in November, it starts March, early March, March the 4th, is nonstop to Las Vegas on Allegiant, which is very exciting. That is a, um, the furthest west nonstop route we have ever had at Asheville. And what a fun spot to be able to go nonstop, you know, no connections, uh, easy trip. So we're really excited about that. And then uh, we just found out that American Airlines has added their second daily flight back to Dallas, Fort Worth. So that was, um, you know, that that was a new route uh, just in the last, you know, couple of years. And then they added a second daily flight. Um, It was just doing so well. And here we are one year out from the pandemic starting in March, and they're going to put that second daily flight back in. And so that's just really good news. That is very good news. And it just gives us more options and more choices on where we can go when we're ready to go. Everybody is going to have a different uh, take on when they're ready to, to travel again. But knowing that we have options and that there are ways that we can get from point A to point B is uh, is indeed very, very good news. And Tina, tell us again how we can get to your website and social media. Sure. Flyavl.com. And we have a spot on the homepage called our social hub. Click on that and it will take you to all the other ways you can connect via social media, or even to sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. Which I want to give a shout out. I love your monthly newsletter. There's always good information in there and helpful links to find out more. So Tina, thank you again. And we really enjoy getting these updates. It's so important for those of us who love to travel and are dreaming of traveling again to know that people are paying attention to our needs and our safety and your team at Asheville Regional Airport is is always up to the task. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Tina. And thanks to Ray and Jen for joining us today on Speaking of Travel. Listening to Jen talk about those winter getaways, I'm always enchanted by the first snowfall and love to spend time outdoors, even when I have to bundle up. And one thing is certain, there are few better ways to break up the chill of winter 
than by heading on a trip and embracing all the magic and wonder of this season. Maybe find a place with blankets of snow. The air will be filled with a tranquil and crisp feeling to make you feel so happy. Grab your mittens, play some outdoor adventure sports, and then come inside to the warmth of a fire and make yourself a hot toddy. You know, when the temperatures are lower than your shoe size, being outside helps your mental and physical health if you put on what might feel like all your clothes and go outside anyway. It'll lift your mood, provide you with a good dose of vitamin D, and really charge up that immune system. So get outside, take a deep breath, and get out of your winter cold blues. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 